Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How's it going, everyone? Welcome into the PHNX Rising Post Game Show. We appreciate it. Max, why did you sound us? then as though you were trying to chat someone up at a bar? Wait, don't chat with people. Hey, how's it going? How's oh, it going? My gosh. First off, how man, you I ain't doing? Got, I ain't got no. How you doing? I ain't got no game at the bar. I don't need no game. We've I got to take lady. our own go. enjoyment out of this, everyone. Okay. Oh, we'll do so yeah. Thanks, Simpson. Okay, I come in too hot sometimes, too excited after a pad match to give me crap. And here we are. Owen Evans back in pure form like he's never left. Uh, Owen is in Miami. Jake joining Sweating us once again. As the nice buff, I needed a transition. You know, can't just have full-on Owen. So, Jake, thank you for being the buffer back in AZ. I'm out here in Vegas. Um, yeah, everyone joining us. Appreciate you guys for sticking around. Uh, yeah, man. Really tough. Uh, 2-1 loss for Phoenix Rising. I think both in result and in performance. Really, the skinny here. 15 minutes in. Uh, a poor lack of clearance from Daniel Crutzen. Really kind of double-dutched, kind of whiffed it. Uh, and, you know, Miami putting in the back of the net. Rising actually have a pretty strong performance coming back into the first half. I think they actually dominated. Large stretches. Evan had a nice response. Beautiful, beautiful through ball from Panasarmanakas to Danny Trejo, who... Didn't, you know, actually made the finish, which was quite tough. Hesitated the defender, finished it coolly. Very nice. You're thinking going in 1-1. You know, we were all thinking it. This is rising smash to win. Three points are around the corner. They just got to put the ball in the back of the net. And it just did not happen. Coming out absolutely sluggish right out of the gate. Uh, you know, 15 minutes. Oh, and I think you had the stat. I'll throw it to you in a second. Of I think Rising have conceded the most goals. I believe six goals throughout the season within the first 15 minutes of the second half to top the lead. Correct. And really, that was the story that it was a slow start from the beginning. Slow start throughout. Couldn't get things going. All in all, a really poor performance in the second half that led to the result. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, it's the cliche, isn't it? The game of two halves, but that's exactly what we saw. We saw a Phoenix Rising team that, yes, they make their mistake, they pay for it in the first half. But overall, on the basis of things, you think, look, they get that goal shortly before the break. You think things are going to turn around. You think, okay, good. There's the impetus. There's the the little message to them going into the break. Look, it's so close. You can touch it. Just go out there, do what you were doing, and that second goal will come. And yet what we saw instead was a very sluggish second half. We'll get into, I think, the details of exactly why, exactly how all of that came out later in this show, including some from uh, Juan on on what he thinks was behind that as well. But yes, it, it was just disappointing. And I think what you saw in the second half was a team that, in many cases, you were expecting to see them fight a little bit harder for what they for what they could achieve in a game like this against an opponent that's not especially great. Um, that parted ways with Anthony Pulis, the, the head coach, a few weeks ago, who's interim head coach, who's come in since, has won his first game tonight, actually, with Miami FC. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do that. They didn't do that. It, it felt like, yes, there was a push late in the second half, but at that point, it was too little too late. I think, 
Oh, sorry about sorry about that. We just uh, looks like we were about to cut to Juan real quick. We'll show that up. I think them scoring first in the first half and us going after them and and going forward and driving, I think took a bit of a toll mentally and physically on the players. Um, I, to be honest, I thought they were going to come out of the locker room uh, with more energy. Like they they looked with like they had energy in the in the locker room, but when they came out, I think. Uh, their legs were tired. Their legs were tired, and also the goal came. So then you have, uh, I mean, there's a physical load, and then there's a there's a mental load as well after the after they scored, and it was it became very very hard. We made substitutions. They they decided to drop to to a lower block that they were not giving us that many spaces, but then it became very open and dangerous because they were counterattacking very quickly. So we were sending numbers up the field because we had to. We had to find the, the equalizer. And um, they were they were countered and transitioning very very fast at us. Listen, we, we turned the page. We uh, I, I always say this right: when we win, we don't get too high. When we lose, we don't get too low. Uh, we understand what are the things that we need to improve, and we keep working on. So that was Juan on the contrast between that first and the second half. I mean, you heard him say there; he thought they were going to come out with a little bit more energy in that case. He thought they were going to they were showing that in the locker room, and that just didn't really transpire. Yeah, 100%. Jake, your thoughts, man? Yeah, I think the the humidity definitely played a part. I think that's why they were they were sluggish in the second half, right? There's no way to prepare for that, especially being in Arizona this whole time. You never have to deal with it. But what I don't understand is how this team continues to basically just shoot itself in the foot. Like mm-hmm. it, it was almost like this was the beginning of the season-esque performance, right? They 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 dominated the first half. They had 12 shots of their 18 total shots in the first half. We probably should have scored at least another goal in the first half, but yet they went in tied because it's it sucks. McCruz didn't just whiffed it. Like it's just it's a it's a schoolboy mistake, and yep. and you're gonna get penalized when your when your center back running backwards misses the ball, and the the mistakes that they're making are costing them goals, and they're not capitalizing on the mistakes that their opponents are making. I mean. Gallardo literally missed an empty net, and I and I know we're calling players out here, but it's it's these you know you're professional footballers like these are these are like clearing a ball. You've got a hundred times out of a hundred, you clear that ball. You might not make it every single time on, on an empty net. You got to at least force someone to clear it off the line. You can't just miss the target. These are the little things that that are just very frustrating when you're watching this team. Because they, they're very, very simple mistakes that can be corrected, but they just continue to make them. And then, actually, you mentioned that first, the, the first goal and the error on that one. You look at the second goal, and I think there's a few things at play there, but predominantly what I'm seeing is Darnell King is just staying way too central mm-hmm. in that position. It's almost as though, look, the position I'm seeing from him, and I'd expect him potentially to even be wider than that if they were playing a back f- like back three with the two wing backs. But it was almost as though he was trying to be a centre back in that position. That's not what he was. Yeah. And the result is that you've got all that space out wide, and they pay for that. They aren't able to close the striker down in enough time. Rocco doesn't get into perhaps the right position that he needs to be to make that save on his near post, and it costs them again. Yeah, no, I mean, especially on that goal, I think you're even looking at uh, Darnell's position. Not only does he start, um, you know, a bit too inside, but even as uh, Miami is driving, he actually shifts his body almost to um, bring the Miami attacker into the other center back, thus leaving the hole off in the winger even more open. 
and again, you know, combine that with Rocco cheating over a bit, expecting for the far coast, far post shot, exposing the near post. That's kind of where we're at, man. It was, uh, I, I think a lot, kind of what you guys are suggesting is a lot of fundamental errors that we've seen from rising at times throughout the season. And it just kind of rears its head. Right. I, again, uh, I do, I know I send it earlier. I do want to shout out everyone in the chat. A lot of you guys are waiting like half an hour for us to join. So got to shout you guys out, Albert, Bosch, Devin, Degoli, everyone in here. Thank you guys for your comments. Uh, always keeping it real. Always a good time. Harry even uh, joining us. So appreciate you guys again, sticking with us and everything like that. Let's, let's get into the numbers, you know, right. Uh, kind of tells a bit of the story of this match one two rising fall like i mentioned actually dominated xg again i think there were some good opportunities in that first half 1.44 xg for rising 0.89 for miami possession pretty close to 50 50 there rising out shot miami 18 to 11 but you know seven uh both teams had seven shots on goal pretty even a piece the other stat that didn't really amount to anything because i think some corners by panos were phenomenal and other ones by let's say fetty varela coming on late were the opposite of that rising at 15 corners to Miami's four again, just shows you there were opportunities in this match, especially in the early going. But again, it was really only in the early going, not much in the second half there. I will say this, when you look at the stats and particularly look at the XG, something worth considering here mm. as the second half went on, actually Miami FC really was starting to close that gap in terms of XG. It was pretty close at one point. What you see late on then rising's XG goes up quite a bit because they're on the attack. They're the ones then late in that game who are pushing and pushing and pushing for that equalizer. And you're not quite seeing the same from Miami FC in those moments. Yeah. 100%. I will say, too, on the second goal that they allowed, you know, you guys were talking about Darnell's positioning once they got into the final third. But it to me, it's just inexcusable that you allow one guy to dribble 40 yards forward at a slight angle. I mean, you need to – somebody needs to step up. This is That's a position where you can foul a guy. Like, that is a good opportunity to foul somebody. I understand you have reinforcements and it's a numbers game. But if you don't step to the ball – and Max, we were talking about this uh, on uh, on Monday, I believe, yeah, or even Wednesday about Wednesday, yeah. rising yeah. stepping stepping out to guys, and you didn't do that. And look what happens—you allow goals. Like it's just, it's just, it's frustrating to watch things that can be fixable that you teach at a young age, and just when you don't do the simple fundamentals, yeah. it it leads to goals. And and this is a team that does not play well from behind. This is not a team. That uh-uh. does well. I mean, this this game could have been three one. I mean, there were a couple chances that Rocco kept this team in in this match single handed. Well, there was there was a one on one that was put straight at Rocco, oh, yeah. wasn't there? Yep. And quite frankly, yeah. should have been finished better by the Miami FC forward. Absolutely, they're putting in a yard either side of him. That's an easy goal, uh, nine out of ten times, right? I mean. Listen, man, it, you know, it keeps on coming back to right. We're all kind of echoing it. It is the fundamentals. There's actually, it, it, this is actually an interesting thing, right? With with this result, if I if I saw the table correctly, Rising currently stand in seventh in the West. If you're looking at, you know, points against, Rising are six in the West. If you look at points four, Rising are tied for third. You know, to me, that kind of says, hey, yes, there was a 6-0 beatdown of Memphis. That definitely contributes to it. But I think this team with their performances and how it kind of, you know, reflects on the score sheet, it is encouraging that, Hey, at least they're not, you know, you hopefully think that the results are going to rise the tide of this, but this is where we've seen at spurts throughout the season, that if you do not convert your chances, if you do not put bad teams away early, 
there is a reason why this team has not performed to that level of goal output because at times they lack that finishing strike and they seem to take, I'm not necessarily saying whole games off, but there's just some lapses where you're thinking, this is where it costs you inside of matches. Well, I think it's something that Jake touched on earlier as well. And the one thing that we've seen from Rising throughout the season is that teams seem to punish Rising for their mistakes in a way that Rising aren't consistently punishing opposition teams for theirs. And so you end up in this imbalance whereby Rising can dominate a first half, as I felt that they did today. And yet they have those one or two errors in there and they do concede a goal from it. 100%. That's actually the exact point uh, Bosch made in, in uh, while we're waiting up to the YouTube chat. Absolutely. Seeing a lot of people saying similar things of uh, not punishing their mistakes, not play or playing to the level of our competition. Seems like a trend, man. It does. It does. I mean, one other thing that I'll mention in here, and I think this is a great little segue into, we heard Juan's thoughts earlier about the, the second half. We've also got his overall thoughts. But before we get into that quickly, one of the things he mentioned in there particularly was, was consistency. And that's been one of this team's biggest problems. So, yeah, let, let's toss it over to that, shall we? And have a listen to Juan's overall, his first thoughts after that game. we got to turn the page. we got to turn the page as, as quickly as we can. Obviously, upset about the result and we still struggling finding consistency i think consistency is key if um if we want to have the team fighting in in the in the top of the table the first the first four because that's uh that's our goal this year to try to host um a home playoff and um in order to do that you need to be consistent or at least more consistent than than we have been yeah we were in, we had a good run uh, of games not just on results but also performances did we play a, a bad game to, tonight? No, I don't think we played a bad game tonight. Did we play a great game? No, it wasn't great either. Um, but there were there were some mistakes that that led to to their goals and moments that that we should have controlled the game better. Um, we got to fix them. We got to keep improving. I think um, the the humidity, the travel was was very hard. It's not an excuse because we should be able with the squad that we have and the rotations and and the way we take care of our players when we travel to, to be able to perform wherever we go. But tonight, the result didn't go our way. we got to turn the page as quickly as we can. There were a lot of positives as well, but um, we want to win. We want to win wherever we go. Now we have a couple of days to sit back, relax, see where we're at. Um, I mean, after a few months and, and halfway through the season and reflect, identify what are the things that we need to fix and make sure that we fix those things for the second half of the season. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, Jake. Uh, I mean, I'm curious to you get your thoughts on, you know, what, uh, what Juan's saying and also kind of in conjunction with that, kind of seeing Scott's question, is this just a player performance thing or is, you know, Juan not finding the right tactics within this type of match? So I'll answer Scott's question first. I, I believe it's a player thing because no matter what coach you are, I mean, Critson's mistake, like, I mean, that, that you can't legislate happen. for that. <laughs> like it's a, you're a professional footballer there. That should never happen. Um, you know, and, and there are, there are, we've seen it that they, they create so many chances and they're starting to be more dangerous. I mean, they were dangerous on the, they were on the front foot early this game. Um, and there were times where it was like, they're not every shot's going to go in, Max. We talked earlier this week. You're not going to score six goals a game. Yep. But this is a game where you expected to score at least twice. And and, and Panos did what he's been doing. It, it It's one of those games where it's frustrating because you did everything but the final 
ball, the final result. You did everything that you needed to do other than put it in the back of the net. And credit credit Miami, obviously. But one thing I do want to mention is that was Miami's third win of the season. They had not won in over two months. May 3rd was their last win. And 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 I saw people on Twitter saying how you know Rising's really good at losing to bad teams. I mean, just to just to put this out there, these are just facts. Miami has three wins this year. Two of them are against Vegas and Phoenix Rising, and the combined wins for Vegas and Miami are only four. Half of which have come against Phoenix Rising. Yeah, that's tough, man. That's. That's tough. Again, no matter no matter how you slice and dice it, it's um, again we keep on going back to it. This team, if you don't have the clinical edge, I don't know. It, it's just not coming back. It's coming back around to not having the clinical edge and not really playing up to that opponent. And you can get up for the big match and stuff like that. I mean, Jake, listen, I, it's we talked about this a bit as a trap game, and I and I hate to I hate to bring it back to that. I'm not saying that the guys weren't motivated, but it's like you see how this plays out, and it's like. Come like man, this is like this is like the worry of you. Cut you come off a five match unbeaten streak. You're riding high. You have a six nil thrashing. Yeah, you go on the road and you have two weeks off afterwards, but or at least two weeks out of the match. But like this is one where I don't care how you do, whether it's ugly, whether it's pretty, whatever. You expect three points here at the minimum of a result. I just don't. I don't think there's any way to really chop this up. You know, yes, Miami's not a good team, but. I think like you have to know as a player, you gotta like get up for this match, and the performance just slow out of the gate. Both halves just didn't match it. See, I'd I'd argue slightly on that one. I think that you try to argue I that do as they well. slow out of the gate in the first half. I don't think that's true. I think they make an error early in the first half, which unfortunately cost them. Prior to that, I felt that Rising were on the front foot. They were actually the team that were realistically going to make things happen. I think that what you've seen here is a team that that came out here kind of. I'm not sure if they just ran out of gas in the second half or not. And I don't think that that's necessarily good enough. These are professional players. Yes, it's a tough position to play in here in Miami where it is humid. It's not fun. It's an artificial surface. All of that's at play, yes. But I think that if you were to look at something such as maybe this one being a trap game coming off of a big win and you think that things are going to go badly, you'd expect a slower start to the game. To me, overall, the first half performance was good enough. It was the second half is where it really went downhill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and That's just perfect. to answer Scott's question about a center back, don't forget Kev will be back after the Gold Cup. So there's there's your center back there. Kev will but, be back yeah, after I'm, the next game for the next game. Yeah, yeah, and I'm and I'm with O on that. If if Rising had come out tonight and maybe had six shots, one on target, then yeah, then they they weren't even up for it. Mm-hmm. But this game, and I and I hate to bring this up because because Jose Bosch is uh, in the chat, but. This game reminded me a lot of Michigan TCU to where Michigan did everything but score touchdowns. You get to the line of scrimmage how many times, and then you just give away the ball. You don't score. Like, you, you did everything you were supposed to, and then you just gave it away. Like, it, the final third issue was more so because of you just had one of those games where you weren't finishing, but the two goals that Miami scored shouldn't have even happened, right? Like, this game should have been 1-0. Miami should have been chasing. Now you have easier chances in behind, tap-ins. That's the formula. When you give away easy goals like that to a bad team, they're going to get confident. They're going to hang around, and you get the result that you get. Yeah. 
No, very much so. Seeing Jose pop up in the chat. Uh, yeah, he's not wrong. And yeah, Rising was incredibly dangerous to start the match psychologically when you are starting so well in a tough environment and then give up a goal. On such a deflating play, kills momentum 100%, uh, especially where Kretzen... I think Kurtzen has been, I think, honestly, a pretty, pretty salt throughout the season. Had a, even, you know, a, an early blunder in the season against Loyal, something similar as Square, you know, inexcusable play leads to the result. But it's just not something you expect, especially where he's handed the captain's armband after uh, Darnell King comes off again. You know, we're we're prone to mistakes. We're humans, but that was very much a tough look. No, something that's a tough look is, you know, I need a four peaks. Four peaks is definitely going to help me kind of get over this match, get through what's going on. Uh, you know, I know I've seen them around here uh, in Vegas, you know, Circa absolutely having the four peaks with everything going on out in the Vegas area. You can find them anywhere. You know, you guys are in AZ. Well, Jake's in AZ. Owen, you're going to be in AZ soon enough. Um, so, yeah, soon I know enough. Some, yeah, man, you're gonna get yourself some four peaks when you're back in the studios. Uh, yeah, all kinds of good stuff. I was at Four Peaks, the Eighth Street Pub, had a nice little flight of their four core beers: the Hazy, the Wows, the Kilt Lifter, and uh, yeah, the the Joy Bus. It's all kinds of good stuff. Check out Four Peaks on Instagram at Four Peaks Pub and at Four Peaks Brew. And again, of course, check them out at their Eighth Street Pub as well. You must be 21 plus years or older to enjoy responsibly. You don't have to be 21 plus to enjoy our friends at Circle K. Keep you guys hydrated. You know, especially uh, you drinking some Four Peaks, you're gonna need to stay hydrated at our friends at circle k they're out here again and all three places where we're at in vegas in arizona and in miami as well they are literally everywhere but they're of course in arizona that is where they are housed and i'm going to be housing some four p or some uh, circle k polar pops because that's what i house uh, especially after this need to hydrate going to be already uh, hydrating after the inevitable hangover tomorrow and i'm not talking about this match maybe i am a little bit check out our friends at circle k you text code phnx to 31310 they'll give you a, a polar pop uh, not one but two they're freaking awesome again text phnx to 31310 for arizona residents takes absolutely two seconds to do so appreciate you guys doing that supporting them and thank them for supporting us scott donating to the drink fund with the 499 dollar super chat absolutely appreciate it my man he gets it i think that's four peaks and circle k jose max so dedicated to four peaks is looking i just woke up from a four peaks bender that's dedication yes uh my girlfriend says i need a haircut and uh yeah kind of echoes that but she's no, not man, wrong uh, say it again <laughs> she's not wrong yeah, she no, he's not wrong. It's fair. It's fair. It's it's looking a little gruff over here. But yeah, Ryzen looking gruff. Something that I think we keep on harping on ride is I think it was, you know, much better first half than second. Um uh, yeah, I uh, that's a fair point on on what you guys were saying. Still think there's a, a bit of a slow start, especially with the goal. Was open to a mistake, but overall, yes, the first half absolutely better than the second half by far. I think the one note that I really saw the adjustment of, I'd like to get your guys' thoughts, is Miami, I think did have a nice couple tactical changes. They very much in the first half, we're kind of crowding the back. We're inviting rising to say, Hey, we're going to push. We're going to push uh, defenders back, try to run at us and good luck scoring. Rising was able to play an early through ball and they did. And that led Panos to have a lot of success in the first half, a lot of dribbling. Carlos Harvey did the same thing. And the adjustment they made in the second half was they essentially said, yeah, we're not going to start clogging up the midfield, make it tough. And that combined with rising, maybe losing their legs a bit kind of made the difference, at least in my mind of Miami absolutely overwhelmingly won the midfield, stopped rising's uh, chances, and they made some of their own. Yeah, I think there were moments in, look, 
Yeah, you control the midfield. You also rely on the fact that, look, a lot of Rising's chances in that first half came from pace. That's not sustainable necessarily in an environment like mm-hmm. this. You're going to find that as the course of the game goes on, you're going to lose a step. So if you can take away other alternatives to Phoenix Rising creating things, yes, absolutely. I would agree with you on that case. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point, Max. You, uh, you really pointed that out uh, very well, just not being able to continue a high high pressure whether that's offensively or defensively especially in in absolute dead humidity and i mean we talked about it earlier this week about how we expected miami to come out like that with a low block and then once yep i know i know i know they gave up the goal right at the half but once they got it right the, the take the lead again right at the beginning of the second half i mean you 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 saw how how loose at the back rising had to be and yep. they actually came in and played more in the second half I think that just comes down to just being used to this field, being used to this this temperature. And we do know that historically, although it hasn't really shown itself with Miami, historically, if you get a new coach, you tend to have some better results early on just because for whatever reason, there's just a difference of uh, mentality within the team. Well, you know what, actually, if we're talking about as well the difference between the first and the second half, I think there was a moment of controversy that could have turned this all on its head. <laughs> we did actually get a chance to ask Juan about that. Let's hear his thoughts actually on that red card shout. It's inevitably going to be a talking point now, the mass confrontation of the Danny Trejo's goal. A lot of people seem to think there could well have been a, a red card offence in there by, by Miami. What was your thought on that? That's, I think, the same thing. I think it should have been a, a red card. I actually can't believe it took him, I don't know, a minute and a half or two minutes to make a decision. It was it was very clear. But, again, I we, we control what we can control. And what we could have controlled tonight uh, was on the field and what we were doing and, and the way we, what we were doing when we had the ball and what we were doing when we didn't have the ball. And those things... We didn't control him well enough because the result didn't go away. Again, I don't think we played a bad game. I don't think also we played a great game. But we need to make sure that we find consistency and we start getting results even when we don't play great because we want to be in in the top four in the West. Yeah, I mean, Owen, man, you you were there. Talk us through what happened because, I mean, Jake, we were, you know, we're watching, right, on the broadcast and – all you see is the goal go in, and then you see a bit of hesitation. You're thinking, "There's no way that was offside." So I, that was my first thought: is there are they like what, what's going on here? And then they cut to the angle, and it's wait, we're getting rugby tackle. He's trying to, you know, Arteaga is just trying to get the ball and restart it. Like, what are we talking about here? Okay, so let's break this down now. I will tell you this initially: this is going to make you laugh. Most of what I saw of what sparked that off is exactly what you have seen, because despite the fact that it was occurring pretty close in front of me i had my camera up i was shooting the celebration as danny trejo runs off with panos armanakis and all of a sudden i just see them kind of stop shouting and there's just a mass of bodies pretty much right in front of me so i got a pretty good view of what happened after that point i saw that there was a, a an arm swiped out carlos harvey was pretty aggrieved at that one he felt as though it, it kind of caught him on the face a little bit he was Definitely giving the assistant referee some uh, remarks, let's put it that way, after that one. But yes, when you look at what happened, Manuel Arteaga goes in to try and reclaim the ball. You often see players do that. Uh, doesn't mean, however, that he has a right to that ball. So when Manuel Arteaga walks away with a yellow card in that case, the reason he's going to get it, you have to bear in mind, it's not Phoenix Rising's restart. He inserts himself into that situation where the opposition have the ball actually in their hands. So he ultimately instigates all of this however 
Mm-hmm. However, his offense effectively ends at a yellow card. The ensuing tackle, uh, I was going to say tackle, in, in a rugby or an American football sense, <laughs> I understand it's an American football field behind me. Uh, you can probably make out some of the lines from the broadcast. Um, but in that sense, yes, it was a tackle. But Aidan Stanley just kind of going in there, arm wrapped around and just taking him out. Um, yeah. It's something he walks away with a yellow card for. It, it's... To me, I would agree with Juan. I would agree with most of you. To me, it is a pretty run-of-the-mill violent conduct that was yeah. should have been identified. Um, I can't give you too much insight into the referee's thinking process on this one. Of course, there is the the poor referee system, uh, poor referee questions. We know how that works in Phoenix. That's more difficult on the road. I need you guys to understand that one, right? Because these things have to be submitted in time. They have to give the referees names of who the pool reporters are and all of that before the game. And so, in the, you know, if the other team doesn't have things, they don't up, answer the no question they anyway. Can, they may not answer the question anyway. Jake is not incorrect <laughs> in that one. We have perfect experience of that taking place in Phoenix. But regardless, what I know is this I don't believe that the referee in the middle sees what happens. Mm-hmm. He goes and consults afterwards for a very lengthy period of time with the assistant referee. I believe that in the majority, the decisions, the insights are coming from the assistant referee on the far side, AR2 in this case. The decisions only go with a yellow card for me. I am, this is speculative, okay? Let, let's emphasize this now. This is speculative. I think it may have had something to do with the fact that halftime is very quickly approaching. There was a chance there to manage out of that situation was how it was viewed. And in the end, it was managed out of that situation. There were no further flare-ups in a way that, that would have required necessarily a red card in that situation. And part of that is because you have the halftime break, which serves often as a cooling kind of period where mm-hmm. people can immediately get some of that steam off rather than allowing a succession of retaliatory fouls to kind of build up in those moments. I think if that happens five minutes into the second half, you have a very different scenario and you possibly end up by avoiding a red card in that situation. You possibly end up in a situation where you end up giving out several more red cards because the game starts to get out of pocket a little bit. I think it was a little bit calculated. I do think it was the wrong call in that moment. I think that you're going to struggle to see many more obvious violent conduct calls than someone ultimately. Look, if he was just wrestling in there, even in that case, I'd have understood it. A yellow each way you move on, but it wasn't. I see someone going in targeting with force. There is no doubt in my mind that is incredibly excessive. I mean, the exact wording we're talking with excessive force and or brutality in that case, I think a rugby tackle for, I mean, something as daft as that probably meets those, uh, probably meets those criteria in a lot of ways. Let's be honest. I mean, I mean, if we're, if we're calling it what it is, maybe it's a, it's a different type of attack, so to speak, if we're going to call it that. But like, is this not any different than our Babuikar Jai in New Mexico kicks out in retaliation? Referee sees it. That's a red. Is this not in a similar sort of circumstance? I'm not sure. I, I don't always like comparing challenge to challenge. It's a tough one. Because they're not always, it's not as black and white. It's not as easy. I will say this. Yes, it's it's just a red card. I mean, we can can dissect it. We can analyze it, overanalyze it. 
I think you're going to struggle to find many people who I think in that circumstance would expect that to be anything other than a red card. I think football expects the red card. Even people that we're speaking to from Miami FC said, oh, we thought he was gone. Like, (laughs) it was was a bad challenge. You you can't do that. You just can't. And I'm surprised. Well... I hesitate to say surprised. I think that you, you also have to remember, and I, I'll, I'll emphasize this, today, today's referee, at least by the badge that he was wearing, is not part of PRO2's ABLC tier. He was not wearing a PRO2 badge. He did have a national referee badge. Mm-hmm. He was not a PRO2 referee. So he's not going to necessarily be quite as exposed to the professional leagues as you'd expect. Now, as we all know, the professional leagues love to see games end with 11 players against 11 players. This happens around the world. It's not a surprise. It happens yeah. overly in some leagues. Um, there can be a pressure to avoid giving a red card that later gets rescinded. Um, mm-hmm. And the pressure to keep 11 players on the field can be a, a big factor. But look, it, it's a red card. I, I I understand those other elements. But in that kind of a moment, you have to have the courage to reach for the back pocket. And in this case, the referee did not do that. Yeah. So is it safe to say because there is no replay, that is the only reason he's on the field? I'm not sure if VAR does anything there or not. Um, okay, that was going to be my question. It's a tough one. I, I'd argue also it depends on which league we're talking about with their implementation of VAR. Um, in the Premier League, I don't think that's given via VAR mm. as a red card. In MLS, maybe it is. Um, I wouldn't like to sit specifically on either side of those fences right now because I, I don't know for certain. Um, And it's hard to tell, even, look, even you have an extra set of eyes, it becomes incredibly subjective. Is Are they clearly and obviously wrong to not give a yellow card in that circumstance? In my opinion, yes, it is a very obvious error, but that doesn't mean that it would rise to a standard that necessarily that's what they're looking for. Yeah, I mean, seeing Albert's comment, get to know there is poor officiating on top of poor football. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a tough one. Listen, it's it, you know, Ray, everything that caused the, to kind of pu- to kind of rewind for a hot second, everything that's causing this uh, controversy, right? The tackling after Arteaga grabs the ball after the goal. I mean, the goal was set up by the one, the only Mister Paunos Armanakas. He is our man of the match. Uh, you know, it's a tough one to, f- you know, try to find some of the silver linings in a match like this. But, right, three shots, one assist, two chances created. Again, had a lot of space in um, that opening first half where, again, I mean, Jake, I know, like, I feel your, your Twitter, you're, you might be a Pano Stan account, and understandably so, because the man is just good. Very good. Was good again in this match. Um, I think he showed it today in ma- multiple ways. Oh, yeah, I literally tweeted that I've lost count as to how many assists he's had. Like, I'm sure it's every game in the last five or six games at this point. But he's definitely – but he's the guy. He's exactly who they – he said he was, right? We That was what we were talking about when he first first got here is he's very confident in himself, but he's showing that he is. And, and I'm glad to see that, you know, he had that mistake against Oakland, I believe it was, right, that ended up uh, giving the lead right back. But he's he's overcome that. He continues to show out on the offensive side of the field. and. I think because Rising didn't shoot themselves in the foot over this five-game unbeaten streak, well, not the entirety of it, but for a majority of of it, you saw what this team is capable of when it's not literally giving away goals. And I think that's the biggest biggest thing that they've been able to transition from is beginning of the year, the chances weren't there in terms of numbers or quality. Now that they are, if they can stop with the stupid mistakes – 
this is a team that can put on a good run of form. It can win games. It could potentially get into the top four of the Western Conference. But it just they can't they consistently can't do it. Yeah, I think look, to to look at Panos specifically, he is completely transformed this attack since he's come in. I think that he does things that no other player on this team necessarily quite does. In those moments, I think that this team is substantially better with him. I think there's no real surprise that the slight uptick in results came when he joined this team. Um, I will say before, I think we, we should really probably move on to some around the USL. So I don't want to dwell on this game too much, boys. Come on. But um, one thing that the chat, I've seen a couple of people ask it further back. Um, and I'm I'm going to ask the question now to, to you guys. I want to know what you think. Gallardo, does he sit or does he not? Because there's some I'd... staunch anti-Gallardo people in the chat. Jake, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. The only person that I would think you can put in for him that I would like to see play more would be would be Quajo, but he didn't. I mean, he didn't even play today, did he? So I, I it it it's questioning on on in terms of the. The, the, the pecking order of who should go because Fede's been disappointing in my opinion all year. I mean he had a he had a the goal in the last game, but it's not like he's been putting in consistent performances to want me to see him play sixty minutes plus. I would love to see Quajo play more, but maybe he's not completely match fit yet. He hasn't gotten his legs back under him for whatever reason. That would be the change I would make. Um other than that, I really don't know who you would put in unless you want to change the formation slightly uh, again um make it more fluid but i just don't know who the replacement would be one uh, yeah i mean i, I definitely echo them seeing devin bendy bluebird in the chat essentially echoing this same thing i mean he, he was a he was a fun stat for you guys right just to kind of tie this uh tie this conversation together Panos today was tied for the most uh essentially the most giveaways call it is the stat yeah, uh, and you know, it's one of those things where he's kind of the high-risk player, where high-risk, high-reward, he makes things happen. You can live with that, given what he gives you. The guy he was tied with, Erickson Gallardo. And I think it's one of those where I think he has spurts. I think that he's been slightly and ever so slightly more consistent with Fede Varela. So, I, you know, I don't think Fede gets the nod over him. I echo what you're saying, Jake, about if anyone's going to get a, you know, a shot over him. It's Amy Cuejo, uh did not play today. I thought I saw him warming up towards the end, if I was looking correctly. Um, I think, right, you have to think maybe it is match fitness. My thing is this, you know, you got two weeks off. If you're able to come back and he is, you say he's deemed match fit, give him the start. If he's not and maybe needs another tune-up, Maybe you run out Gallardo one more time, but it's like, man, if you're not producing, you're you're gone by halftime or something. Because I think this team has very much rounded into form in so many different ways. You're getting Kev back. You're only getting stronger. But that side of the pitch has been incre- consistently inconsistent, to say the least. You got to shore that up some way, one way or another. One thing that I know you got to shore up and what helps so friends at OG's brands, right? They're going to shore everything up, especially when you're out in Vegas, when you're out in Miami, living uh, living in South Beach, whatever it is, wherever you are at, our friends at OG's brands, Arizona Scratch Made, THC Gummies, they're going to get you through it. They're going to get us through this match. We're going to be all okay, folks. They got the limited edition, summer edition, the, P, the, excuse me, the pink lemonade. Almost said pina colada because that's what they did last year, and they're rolling it back with a pink lemonade version this time around. It is absolutely delicious. Delicioso. It is so, so good. 
Get, get out some OGs brands. Again, that's OGs brands on Instagram. That's O-G-E-E-Z brands. And you can check them out on the interwebs, the www at ogsbrands.com. Again, they got the sativas, the indicas, the fruits, the creams, everything like that. Just a fun brand. Absolutely love working with them. They're great people. They support us. Go support them at your guys' selves. Appreciate our friends at OGs Brands. Devin, he's saying it right there. OGs are needed after this. This match makes me go OGs multiple, multiple times. Something that doesn't make me go OGs is our friends at Valley Taproom. Valley Taproom. You know, the man Donald over there hooking us up, especially for those people out on the east side. Got Tuesday trivia. All that types of good stuff, mopping it up, uh, of course, per usual, when we're out there. We're the winning team. Come join us next time we're out there. And again, I keep on saying it. It is going to be solidified here in the next week or so. But again, make your plans for second match of the uh, USA's Women's World Cup. Little uh, little watch party there at uh, Valley Tap Room. So again, official announcement going to be going out in the next week or so. But again, plan Valley Tap Room for that second match on a Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Little watch party for the U.S. Women's National Team. Again, Valley Tap Room on Instagram at Valley Tap Room and check them out in person off the 202 and Gilbert. All righty, Mr. Owen Evans. Uh, I was going to say, now you want to go around the USL, just making sure anything else we were missing from this match. Well, let's go with around the USL and the Gold Cup first, and then I've got one sure. little nugget I think that we should end on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that actually, let's start with the Gold Cup, right? Panama put four on Qatar today. That finishes yeah. the oh, first yeah. quarterfinal at the moment. Mexico playing Costa Rica, still goalless in that game. We are currently goalless in, in the 22nd minute. At time mm-hmm. of recording, though. Uh, tomorrow, two big matches. Guatemala playing Jamaica. Will Kev Lambert's side make it through to the semifinals? Of course, remember from this point on, it doesn't matter in terms of missing more rising games. They will not have another game until after the final. Therefore, surely you're watching it and wanting Kev to go as far as he possibly can. They will face Guatemala at um, well, five here in Miami. Uh, so quite a bit earlier in the day for you guys in Arizona. Uh, and then that's followed up, of course, by the U.S. facing Canada. Um be interesting to see how that one goes after the Nations League meeting a, a couple of weeks ago. However, of course, two very different teams on both sides. Not quite sure what we'll see out of that one. But yes, the Qatari dream of lifting the CONCACAF Gold Cup has come to its end. Meanwhile, around the USL, Phoenix Rising seemed to really do a number on Memphis 901 last week, and they haven't picked right. it up. It, it, rumor has it that you can actually defend, and perhaps someone should tell Memphis 901 that one. They shipped four goals last night at home to San Antonio FC. It could have been more. It could have been more people. I was watching that game the second half at least. Comical defending comical defending they conceded three goals in the first half i suppose they deserve credit right the second half of that game last night was the first time following three successive halves conceding three goals they managed to only concede one in that one but a four-nil loss at home after a six-nil loss away from home i don't care who you're playing i don't care where you are on the table you've got to be feeling some pressure now if you're memphis hashtag defend memphis memphis more like memphis yeah yeah what on oh. earth was that? <laughs> I... 
you know, we could just boot him out of this and just have me and Jake see it to the end, but we'll carry on with him anyway. Pittsburgh yeah, right. Riverhounds <laughs> facing Sacramento Republic in one of the biggest games of today. As you look at a big team in the East, a big team in the West, bit of a not necessarily the best of games, though. It ends with only four shots on target for Pittsburgh, one on target for Republic, and it finishes goalless at Highmark Stadium. Uh, a couple of the others that were worth noting here. Tampa Bay Rowdy seeing their coach Neil Collins off. He's heading over to England to League One with a win, a big win over Oakland Roots. They take that one 3-0 at home. A good send-off for him. And uh, only two other games in there that have already been completed by this time. India 11 losing 1-0 at home to FC Tulsa. Half Athletic losing 2-0 at home to San Diego. Hmm. Yeah. Chaos. Pure chaos. Pure, pure chaos. The, the two games, by the way, that are currently in the second half, I don't think we should really touch too much on the others because they're way too much to go. Loose City currently winning 1-0 at home against Loudoun. New Mexico currently 0-0 at home against Detroit City. Mm. At time of okay. recording, of course, for those of you listening on audio afterwards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then as a reminder, Rising sitting in seventh currently. Uh, real quick, jumping in the chat, just to answer Albert's question. Yeah, yes, Wednesday, July 26th for that Valley Taproom watch party. Uh, and Devin's comment, Rising in San Antonio may pulled pork Memphis barbecue sandwich against them. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yikes. Well, you know what? We're coming towards a conclusion. Um, yeah. Rumor has it there's a hotel bar with some beers that have my name on it. Um, but before we do that, Phoenix Rising now, it's going to be two weeks until we see them back out on the field in a match. I did manage to ask Quan a little bit about that and a little bit about these next two weeks. Let's hear that. And now, coming off this one, you've got two weeks until the next fixture. Is that a positive because it gives you more time to, to work on it or a negative because coming off a result like this, there's a risk that maybe you dwell on it? No, I think it's a positive. It's a positive whether whatever the result was going to be tonight. I think the players need a bit of time to disconnect, uh, to recover mentally. We've been traveling a lot, traveling a lot. We've been challenging and pushing the guys a lot. It's been very hot in Phoenix the, the last couple of weeks, and, and we've been pushing them. So I think the the, the, the break of the two, three days that we're going to give the players is going to be good. And then also those 10 days that we're going to have to work before we play the next game are going to be important because it allows us the opportunity to really slow down, sit back, uh, dissect and analyze what are the things that we clearly need to fix and now we have time to work so I want to see how how the players are going to show up um, after the break Um, I want to see how's the attitude and I also want to see how's the consistency going to look in the next the next couple of games that's that's the most important thing right now finding consistency for a long period of times yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it seems like Juan very much, you know, was looking forward to well, appreciating, I suppose is a better way to put it, this break coming up. Wanna ask both of you your thoughts on this as well. Chat, please chime in as well. Jake, I'll I'll start with you. You know, you're looking at this match rising, coming off the five match unbeaten streak, and then this loss going into this two week break uh, break. Wow, good or bad for rising? Well, I, I, I would always want to play as soon as possible after a really bad result just to get it out of your mouth. But I think with the break, it could serve as like it's two weeks of you're pissed off. You know, you you missed a big opportunity here. I mean, if you just you just look at the standings like switchbacks didn't play Sacramento, we knew or at least thought we're going to drop points. San Antonio didn't drop points, but we thought there was a chance. 
San Diego was in Monterey and El Paso are all playing tough teams and against each other. Like everybody above you is either going to drop points except for two teams, or you can catch up against teams that weren't playing. And you did none of that. So I'm hoping that this is an opportunity to not sit well. Everyone's pissed. One of those to where you need to earn your spot back in the starting lineup, right? This isn't a panic time, but I think this is a time to where maybe you can get Quajo to reinsert himself. Certain players are going to be reinserted back in the lineup. Kev's going to come back. Who's going to come out? Like those kind of things. I think we see a different starting lineup. I'd be willing to bet money. We definitely see a different starting lineup uh, against switchbacks. Okay. Owen, over to you. Well, you will because Kev Lambert's coming back. And I think, barring some kind of injury in the Gold Cup games, to me, there is no doubt whatsoever that Kev Lambert will be back in this lineup. So, Quite two changes. I'm going to predict at least two changes. Well, I, I'm questioning mm-hmm. more whether they're going to come back and look more at going back to a back five. Are they going to stick with a back four but have Kev come in? And that means you've got to maybe tweak things around a little bit in terms of who's out there. Um, that That's really one of the bigger questions for me. I'm not quite sure what kind of system we should expect to see. And of course, I'm sure that we won't hear anything specifically because Juan will not give that one away until the team sheet comes out in the next match. But yeah, I, I think, look, it gives him a little bit of time to kind of, you know, get, get a little bit of a focus on where things went wrong. Hopefully put a little bit more emphasis on some of the mistakes that they've been making. Also get a little bit of rest. Look, it's been a long, arduous start to the season. A lot of trips... <laughs> out to the East Coast that are not oh, yeah. easy trips to do. Um, this one in particular also very much not easy. At least the travel is a little bit more straightforward than some of the other games they've had to do. But it's also pretty gross and sticky here. So getting out of this is yeah. probably a relief to some people. Owens, uh, yeah, some people being Mr. Owen Evans, he's not just talking about for the team, talking about for himself. But hey, understandably, going from across across the pond back here, get it? That's a, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, I think chat seems to echo whatever, right? Bosch, think it breaks all his positives, uh, especially when you go as long as Rising did without one, regardless what the result was. Ten agree. Same with Albert. Normally, I want the team to get back out as soon as possible. Echoing what Jake's saying, but this break could be a great reset and chance to work on some things and come back to it fresh. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Gives the team something to ponder over these next two weeks, especially with players certainly coming back, lineup, you know, certainly going to be different uh, at a minimum with Kev. Uh, formation change definitely seems like an interesting one to me. I think notably, right, uh, switching from back four to back three, especially where maybe get Kev back, uh, gives a bit more range in the defense, which is just good positioning, everything like that. But I think that's going to give us plenty of fodder over the next two weeks to speculate, ruminate, and all of that jazz. Uh, gentlemen, I think we have... Wow, yeah, we've been going, goodness, almost an hour. It's a long post game. And again, with when you factor in everyone, land waiting, this plane, Max. Land it. I am landing Just land am, the plane. On the dude, I am I, I'm Quicker. piloting, I am landing it somehow, some way. But no, I what I'm saying is I appreciate everyone waiting. It was a long way to get us going and appreciate you guys sticking with us. Any final thoughts for the people, gentlemen? Land the plane. Land oh, it. Gosh. You guys suck. All right, cool. Well, appreciate you guys <laughs> joining us. Uh, you can follow us at phnex underscore underscore rising because double the underscore. No. <laughs> These guys. And now so it'd be double the buzz kill with 
Double the mistakes <laughs> leading to goals conceded. Oh God, thank Jake, you. don't do thank this. Thank you, thank you, Jake, and yeah, double the buzzkill. <laughs> both both the doubles coming from Owen Evans. You can follow Owen Evans at OJ Evans eighteen. You can follow Jake on Twitter at JWA nineteen ninety four. You can follow me on Twitter at Max David Simpson. Again, follow the show at PHX underscore underscore rising. We're gonna be back with you guys Tuesday at six p.m. in our normal time slot in the studio this week. And of course, appreciate you guys. It's a beautiful game for a reason. It's even more beautiful when you don't have a freaking result like this. We'll catch you guys on Tuesday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Laters.